Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. More coverage of the recent National Religious Broadcasters Convention Proclaim 19 in Anaheim, California is coming up on this edition of the podcast. Each year, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association presents a breakfast. This year, one of Franklin Graham's sons, Roy, spoke to the gathering and visited the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center afterward. A ministry update is ahead. Another ministry report was delivered by Shauna Amick of the Ministry of Johnny and Friends, led by Johnny Erickson Tata, who was hospitalized during the convention. You'll be hearing a piece of Shauna's story and hear her share about her involvement in the ministry. And more NRB conversation with Pat Williams, founder of and executive with the Orlando Magic of the NBA, sharing some elements of character based on the 12 tenets that are found at West Point. Many of the components are consistent with the Christian life. And on this edition of The Intersection, I had a chance to visit with the Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, who is under the authority of the U.S. State Department, Sam Brownback. He was an NRB speaker and shared with me about advancing the cause of religious freedom around the world. And a movie called Breakthrough premieres in theaters during the week before Easter. It's an amazing story about a young man who almost lost his life in a frozen lake and the effect that incident of God's faithfulness had on their family. You'll be hearing from the young man, John Smith, and his family's pastor, Jason Noble. Also, Kara Tippetts was a pastor's wife, mother, author, and blogger who allowed filmmakers to document the final days of her life. At NRB, those filmmakers, Jay and Sophia Lyons, discussed their documentary film at the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Roy Graham serves as Director of Donor Relations for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and following the annual BGEA breakfast at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Anaheim, he visited the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center to discuss various aspects of the overall ministry. From that conversation, this is Billy Graham's grandson and Franklin Graham's son, Roy Graham. I was thinking about, after the death of your grandfather, how many people were searching for information on Billy Graham, and they actually connected with your internet evangelism ministry. And so his ministry continues, that ministry that God has raised up, and it it continues through internet evangelism. Comment on the effectiveness of that as it really goes all over the world. You know, um, we track every one of those decisions. Those decisions are done you know, through the internet, through electronic means, and we're getting ready to turn 13 million. Either Hmm. it's going to turn that in the next day or so, or it just turned that. I've been gone for a few days, so I don't know. (laughs) It's imminent. That is a ministry that keeps on going. That allows us to go into countries that we would never have permission to go into. And this was um, an idea that a man came to with my father, He was a man from France, and he came and explained his vision for Dad, and my dad told him that he thought somebody else owned the Internet because they already had Jesus, God, and all this other stuff. And the man looked and says, that's not the ones we want to own. Let them pay the big money for those. We want to buy this certain sector. We want to go in and buy certain key words and key phrases and this type of stuff. And with that allowed us to reach out to these people who are in hurting places Um, And they would Google what happens to me after I die or 
who was Jesus or, you know, these other phrases that we had purchased. And now we've seen people coming to know Christ by the groves, more people than we could have ever imagined. And they come to our landing page, and then we have a time to minister to them, and I believe that's where they link up with here with uh, Faith Radio and allows them to minister back and forth and communicate back and forth, getting the gospel out to these people on a one-on-one basis with a counselor. Well, that is outstanding, and we are just pleased to be a part with partnering with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association on that outreach. Of course, we also have known the the crisis even in our coverage area as of late with the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team being deployed to East Alabama and ministering to the people that were devastated by the Lee County tornado not too far or uh, not too long ago. And and. It's been a very active year this past year or so for Rapid Response Team. Yeah, we've been um, very active. You know, we had some big hurricanes that came ashore this in 2018, and, um, you know, there was other shooting events and stuff. But this, when there's a time of crisis, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association will show up with chaplains. And with those chaplains come a big truck, and the truck has meeting rooms and that type of stuff in it, and it becomes a magnet. And it's really interesting how that's come. I never understood that. But you pull up with this boat, this truck, and people will read that sign, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team. And people automatically start coming to us. They start finding us. They start searching out and looking for us to be able to share their prayer request or to pray to receive Christ for the first time. And it's amazing, even during a time of crisis, when people have lost everything, the only hope they end up having is in Jesus. And it's fun to watch those people realize that during that time. It's a hurtful time for them. They've lost everything. They feel like they've been taken advantage of or why them? Why would this happen? But um, ultimately they realize that God's still the man on the throne. He's still the person responsible hmm. for us. Roy Graham here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to the website billygraham.org. Next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast from NRB 2019, it's Shauna Amick, Director of Radio Ministries for Johnny and Friends, the ministry led by Johnny Erickson Tata, who became ill and was actually hospitalized during the convention. Here, Shauna shares a piece of her story and discusses her involvement with the ministry. This is Shauna Amick now. 13 years ago, um, I knew, of course, of Johnny. I knew she was this remarkable woman, uh, quadriplegic, who could do amazing art with that paintbrush or pencil in her mouth. And <laughs> yes. that's about the extent of what I knew of Johnny Erickson Tata. And then, it was 13 years ago, I had my third child, Sarah. Uh, Sarah was born with Down syndrome, with a very serious heart defect, with a slew of other genetic abnormalities. And, of course, I then became this desperate woman in need of a support system. And where do you go when you are a family affected by disability? Who do you turn to? Um, Jesus first, of course, but then what practical uh, support group do you turn to? You go to Johnny and Friends. And so I ran, ran to Johnny and Friends, to a respite group for mothers, actually. At that time, I was living in New England, and it was called Mom's Morning Out. I sat there in a room with other mothers, uh, children of different ages, disabilities of different kinds. But the one thing we had in common is that we all had these children, these precious children, created in the image of God with disability. That was my introduction into the ministry. And I just knew from that very first uh, intro 
this is what I was giving my life to. So went from that mother being served uh, to a volunteer, became uh, the area director for Johnny and Friends New England because Johnny has offices mm -hmm. all over the country. And it was three years ago that uh, I was invited to move out here to serve in the home office. So it's been a, a wonderful journey. Well, that is Shauna Amick joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. And we are at NRB 2018. We are here at NRB 2019. Shauna Amick is joining us today from Johnny and Friends. She is the Director of Radio Ministries for that ministry. And we will have more coming up. Well, Shauna, let's talk about Sarah Hope. All right. Is your daughter That's 13 right. years 13. old? 13, yes, sir. And as you mentioned, she was born with Down syndrome. Tell me about how life is for her mm -hmm. these days and really what a difference the Lord has has made in your life through her and her life as well. Okay, yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, life for Sarah is good. Uh, so often, um, yep. Bob, I wish that I could be Sarah. <laughs> uh, it's all, you know, it's ponies and puppies and um, playgrounds. And uh, she is a, a passionate young lady, loving life and really teaching not just me, but everyone that comes into her path how to love life and live in the present as well. So um, it, it's good to be Sarah Hope Amick. Um, and it's good to be her mom. You know, 13 years ago, I was laying on an ultrasound table and we could see into that secret place of my womb. We could tell even through ultrasound that Sarah was going to have severe disabilities. And when I got that diagnosis at four months pregnant, uh, I was devastated. Mm. And I thought, this is it. This is the end of life as I know it. And uh, there will be no joy moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm just backed into a corner, end of the road. Uh, here we are, 13 years later, I praise God every day, not just for Sarah, but that Sarah was born with Down syndrome, mm. uh, with the disabilities that she has, because it's who she is, first off. Uh, she brings scripture to life for me. Everything that I said I believed and meant about scripture, uh, God has given me the opportunity to truly live through Sarah, and I see her daily, countless times every day, pointing people to Jesus. And so what I've said uh, countless times, if it's Down syndrome, if it's disability that's pointing people to Jesus, then I will praise God every day for that disability. Shauna Amick here on The Intersection. Learn more about the ministry by going to Johnny, J-O-N-I, and friends.org. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's founder and senior vice president of the NBA's Orlando Magic, Pat Williams, who shared insight relative to his book, Character Carved in Stone, the 12 Core Virtues of West Point that Build Leaders and Produce Success. From the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention, here is Pat Williams. Integrity is an interesting word. Um, I think there's some confusion about it comes from the root word integer, which means one. Mm -hmm. uh, that would lead to a word like integrated, and an integrated society is one society. So a person of integrity, a leader of integrity, well, there's a consistency to their life. Uh, their walk and talk match. Uh, they are not talking one way and uh, walking in completely the opposite direction. And um, uh, so a, a leader of integrity uh, they're the same as at the office as they are 
you know, at uh, a business meeting in the, in the community. They're the same at home as they are in church on Sunday morning. There's a, uh, the tongue in their mouth is always pointing in the same direction as the tongue in their shoes. That's probably the mm. best way to That's good. That's just, great just to describe it. Eisenhower was a leader of integrity. He talked openly about that. He, he made the statement that he thought the most important quality that any leader must possess was integrity. Uh, he served in the Philippines for six years under Douglas MacArthur. Uh, this was prior to World War II, but the Philippine government was so grateful and thankful to our military leaders there that they decided that they wanted to uh, reward our military leaders financially, and they ended up giving some major amounts of money. Uh, it, it was legal, there was nothing wrong with it. I think MacArthur walked away with $500,000. Well, the same uh, proposal was made to Eisenhower, uh, he declined. Uh, he said, I just don't feel right doing that. I'm, I have a, a job, I'm paid for that, uh, but uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pass on that offer. Well, I, uh, when, when you really thought about that, boy, that's, uh, that's pretty special. Uh, that's how Ike lived his life. I think that's why when it was time to pick the general uh, to lead our forces, you know, in the invasion of Europe in 1944, everybody seemed unanimous that Eisenhower was the guy. And, of course, he had that experience and then came out of that. He was elected president twice. 1952, 1956, I, I think my sense was that across the nation, people trusted him. Hmm. Uh, they felt that he was trustworthy and a man of character. He was not perfect. None of these people we write about were perfect, but, but Ike had a lot going in the character department, and I think that's why he's uh, so well-remembered today. What do you think is the most difficult of these West Point virtues to emulate in one's life? Maybe courage. Uh, John Wayne maybe said it best, courage is uh, saddling up anyway, you know, he said you'd be scared to death, but saddle up anyway and, and press on. And uh, it takes courage, I think, almost on a daily basis. Uh, it may not be physical courage, but it takes uh, spiritual courage, it takes uh, emotional courage to do the right things under tough circumstances. It takes courage to say no when you're a college student when everybody else is saying, yes, let's just go do this or that, and you know it's wrong, and you stand up and say, no, I think I'm not going to participate in that. And then you get teased and you get mocked and scorned, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, you feel a lot better about yourself. It takes courage to pass on uh, uh, taking shortcuts in, in your exams at school, you know, or, or doing things that aren't right. Uh, and you know it, and you just say, no, I'm, I'm not going to participate in that. Um, so courage is a, is a tough one. You've got to practice it every day. It's not easy. It never gets easier. But um, it, it's awfully important to, to be a leader of courage. Pat Williams here on The Intersection. His website address is patwilliams.org. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find the Media Center through which you could listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is available through the Media Center. You can also subscribe via iTunes. 
two blogs are accessible through the Meeting House homepage. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There is a link to video content as well, including content from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention this year. Material from the Meeting House program can be found in the Faith Radio podcast from the Meeting House, available through the Faith Radio app, as well as a number of podcast apps. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to faithradio.org. Well, next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom under the authority of the U.S. State Department. His name is Sam Brownback. He shared with me about advancing the cause of religious freedom around the world. Here now from that NRB conversation is Sam Brownback. We advocate uh, for religious freedom for people all over the world. Uh, We advocate for policy changes in countries, for statutory changes. We advocate for countries to stand up to their U.N. commitment of human rights, which is uh, religious freedom is guaranteed in the U.N. Charter of Human Rights. Uh, We advocate uh, for individuals that are in prison for their faith around the world. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are in prison for their faith. Eighty percent is a key number that you see in two ways in, in this space that I work in. 80% of the world's population lives in a religiously restricted environment, and 80% of the world is religious. Most people in the world have a faith, and most people live in a place where that faith is restricted, or their options are restricted, and we want it to be open and free for everybody. So take us through the rationale, if you will, with so many people in this world who are religious why do you see that there is so much religious persecution? I mean, I have a few ideas, but from your from your vantage point, why is that so? You know, it, we, we lost ground. Uh, right after the fall of communism, there was a real burst of freedom around the world, and there, there was a real openness that took place. And then what we see saw took place after that was a number of countries decided, you know, if we favor one faith over another, uh, we can have some political advantage. And they didn't listen to their own constitutions and their limitations. Like in our constitution, well, you can't do that. The government's role is to protect the right to religious freedom, not to pick a winner or a loser. And then in other countries, like in China, you see the government threatened by religion, saying this is an organized entity that could challenge our power, or in their perspective could challenge it. And so they uh, put significant restrictions on. So there's multiple sets of reasons, but what we end up with is a, a, you know, a large percentage of the world's population, a vast past majority, in a religiously intolerant, restricted atmosphere. Describe, if you would, your background. Obviously, you've served in the U.S. Senate. You've served as the governor of a state. You've been someone who has gained quite a reputation for being a champion of religious freedom. Describe how your work in that arena has really uniquely prepared you to do the work that you're doing now. Well, I was one of the original proponents of this bill that created this position 20 years ago, and I I got involved in it by, uh, there was a lady that was working in my office uh, that knew this space of religious persecution and people that were persecuted around the world, and she came to work in my office and started educating me about people in prison, and this was in particular in Central Asia at the time. And I was saying, really? People are just, they're just locked up because they believe differently than others? Yes. And it was a it was a new thought to me because I'm American, raised in Kansas. I'm used to religious freedom. 
But then what I found was a lot of people in places around the world, and I also found that by advocating for them, sometimes we could get them out of jail, and certainly we had a chance of keeping them alive, that otherwise they may just disappear and be killed by the regime. So it, it really became a heart's passion for me to, to see the use of that position that I was in to be able to get people free and to keep them alive. And it's not uh, dissipated over the years. I, this is just a key work, and it's a work that really the United States is uniquely positioned to advocate for, and it's a work that we must advocate for for others. Well, and there have been so many statements, and we can even look to the top of our government, to the president, to the vice president, to Secretary Pompeo, who I guess technically that he would be your chain of command. He yes. would, you would be under the oversight of the State Department. So it's great to have American leaders, as you mentioned, who are uniquely positioned to speak on these types of issues. So what is it, as you see it, that the U.S. government can do for people who are facing persecution in other countries around the world? Well, President Trump's a man of action, and he takes action uh, in these areas. Uh, on Andrew Brunson, who was in prison in Turkey, he raised tariffs on steel and aluminum products being exported from Turkey to the United States. It tanked the Turkish currency, and they let Andrew Brunson free. Right now, we're confronting China in particular on its abysmal record on religious freedom uh, and their persecution that they're doing. And this administration is, is pushing on that, and ultimately, we can again do sanctions uh, and press, uh, press them that way. So there are a number of tools at our disposal. What we'd really seek is for countries to just abide in most cases by their own constitution and by the UN Charter of Human Rights and just let people be free. Sam Brown back here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the State Department website at state.gov. Next on this edition of The Intersection podcast, in advance of the release of the movie Breakthrough, John Smith, whose story of survival from an accident on an icy lake is told in the film, and his family's pastor, Jason Noble, visited the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Anaheim, California, to share about the film and the story. From that conversation, here are John Smith and Jason Noble. All three of us fell in the ice. We were fighting for our lives. It was... You know, the ice was cutting our skin. It was like getting in a fight with like a tiger or a cougar. You know, it was just, it was painful. And you know, the water actually turned from cold to hot because of the hypothermia setting, setting in. And so we were just trying to fight for our lives. We all knew this was do or die. And we knew that mostly it was going to be die if we didn't do anything significantly to change the outcome. And you know, eventually, you know, I had drowned and the other two were saved. And then eventually I was saved after being underwater for 15 minutes. Mm. And so... You are underwater. Obviously, when you consider what could have occurred mm-hmm. with with you and your life, your condition, 15 minutes underwater in a frozen lake, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here talking to you <laughs> at NRB, and we're talking about a movie based on this set of circumstances that is really incredible. So talk about that period of time and what happened after you had been underwater. You know, it was really like a movie. It was like the point of conflict and then a blackout. And, you know, I couldn't really, you know, remember anything. And, you yep. know, they actually prayed that I wouldn't remember anything. And honestly, the story isn't about what me individually, um, and which we'll talk about a little later, is that this is a community event. Mm. Pastor Jason, yeah, uh, obviously this is an event after John went through the ice. 
you were the pastor of the the Smith family, yes, as I understand it. Correct. So tell me about your experiences. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a, it was an incredible day when you think that John was under for fifteen minutes. Mm, yeah. Uh, right. You know, I mean, usually they say two to three minutes, and that's about it. I mean. Uh, so 15 minutes, they were right ready to pull. Uh, they were ready to do a recovery, not a search and rescue. And so when they pulled him out, worked on him for another 45 minutes, his mom walked in the room and she prayed, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life. And it was a split-second decision, and his pulse came back. Every apparatus turned on in that room, the power of prayer. From there, he was still brain dead, though. Doctor said a 1% chance he would make it overnight. If he did, he'd be a vegetable for the rest of his life. I mean, the prognosis was not good. We took a group of pastors in the room. Every single organ in catastrophic failure. Um, I mean, it was bleak. 1% chance he would make it. We took a group of pastors in the room. We prayed over him through a series of incredible miracles. God just showing up. Uh, power of prayer, community mom, praying mom. He walked out of the hospital 16 days later completely healed. Oh, my goodness. That is incredible. It now, is. I was doing a little math. You were talking about being underwater. John was underwater for 15 minutes. Yes. They, the, the paramedics, I assume, were working for 45 minutes more. So that's a total of an hour without hour, a pulse? Hour and eight minutes. An hour and eight minutes with no pulse. Yes. Yep. The doctor and the doctor, gave, he just said, there's nothing else we can do. We're done. So invite yeah. his mom in to say goodbye. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're tuned to The Meeting House here on Faith Radio. Jason Noble and John Smith joining me here at the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center as we discuss the movie Breakthrough in theaters on April the 17th. Well, John, you walked out of that hospital 16 days? 16 days. 16 days, and everything was was fine basically as if this had never happened or tell me about that i know health wise Mm -hmm. that that may have been the case but there were some other other things we want to talk about too you know the really the only struggle i had was i lost a lot of weight you know i was like from 130 to 112 i was really really skinny Um, and then after that you know i had a little issues with my wrist but that was just physical therapy so nothing like medically wrong long term only the short-term effects that were i was able to recover through training and physical therapy he was cleared 40 days after by all doctors. Wow. So as we look at the movie and the, as we might say, the rest of the story, what are the parts, as you see a pastor, that this this movie actually begins to to address? You know, and I think you say that so well, because it's the movie's the beginning of the conversation. And so um, I know John, John struggled with adoption. He was adopted, so struggling with feeling not wanted. You know, the things that happened after the story, especially for John, um, I think those are remarkable. You know, the fact that God walked him through this journey, um, the fact that if God can do it for John, he can do it for anybody. You know, the, the, the conversation openers uh, that the movie starts is so important and so vital when we talk about breakthrough. Everybody I talk to says that they need breakthrough in their life in some area. And, you know, that's my feedback is, hey, if, John, if God can do it for John, he can do it for anybody, mm. you know. And so, um, but I think that time after, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, it must be happy ever after. And, it, I mean, it's been, it's been a struggle for John. It's been a struggle. You know, that's probably been the most intense time after the movie was filmed mm. and after the story. Jason Noble and John Smith here on The Intersection. The film's website is BreakthroughMovie.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, filmmakers Jay and Sophia Lyons visited the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at NRB 2019 in Anaheim to discuss their documentary film entitled The Long Goodbye, The Kara Tippett Story. 
spotlighting the late Kara Tippetts, a wife and mother, author and blogger, who died of cancer and allowed the Lions to film some of her final days. Hear now from that conversation at NRB are Jay and Sophia Lyons. One of the people who attended her church, she's a pastor's wife, um, actually posted on Facebook, please pray for my pastor's wife. And we saw that post. And so you saw the post. And and how did you connect, Jay? Well, I had always had a, a stirring or a pulling to do a television show or some type of, um, you know, film or video content about end-of-life issues because I felt like as a Christian person, um, the story could be told in a beautiful way, even a holy way. And and so we as Christians um, have that hope of heaven and we don't see the world, uh, we don't see the afterlife, afterlife like the world does. We see it differently. So I wanted to address that topic as morbid maybe as that sounds, but I felt like if it was done correctly, it could be a beautiful thing. And um, no one had, had done that. I felt like it was missing. Hmm. Um, and that's, yeah. So I saw that Facebook post and I reached out to Kara and said, you know, would you be interested in this? And Kara is just such an amazing person. Um, she was very gracious and said, I'd love to do that. And she's enthusiastic and fun, even as she was suffering and eventually dying. Hmm. She was still so much fun, just a, a, a joy to be around. And, and she opened up her world and let us come into that. And actually, Kara did a lot of vlogs on her own and she called herself a desperate oversharer. And if you knew Kara Tippetts, you knew that that was said in a very playful way. Mm -hmm. Uh, She just loved sharing her story, but not in a look at me kind of a way. It was more like, I want to point to Jesus and share my story. If my story can help one person, it's worth sharing about. Mm. And so when you had the opportunity to connect with Kara, how how far in advance of her death was that, Jay? It was only a few months. So um, we, we kind of came in at the end of the her journey. But the amazing thing is, is this film or movie is kind of like a patchwork quilt, is what my wife says. It takes some old interviews from other types of um, Kara's own footage, like her cell phone footage that she gave us, um, her own vlogs. She did some other interviews that we, uh, she gave us the footage for. And then we also filmed her professionally um, several times in several trips. So it's kind of a mix, but it's very raw. So when you follow along with this movie, um, you feel like you're right there with her because you are. Mm. Jay and Sophia Lyons joining us today. It's National Religious Broadcasters 2019 Proclaim 19. Faith Radio in the Meeting House with our broadcast center in the exhibit hall. Well, let's talk about the the message. It's very intriguing to me, Jay, when you talked about the the desire you had to share a a film about end-of-life issues. And that is a subject that can be very delicate, can be mm-hmm. sensitive. You even run the risk of being misunderstood. So, Sophia, as you got to know Kara, as you really experienced her life and her story, what did you learn about her that really kind of enabled you to to tell the story in the way you wanted? A couple things. I learned that uh, Kara lived intentionally in community with other people. Kara shared about her suffering, but she also opened her home and um, had, I think it was her husband who built a long, long, long table because they wanted more and more people to be able to fit around that table mm. and was hospitable, but not in a, my house has to be a perfect kind of way, but more like, hey, come on over, you know, let's grab dinner together. So she lived in community, which I really found to be inspirational. So I think a lot of people in today's world 
Uh, we're so busy and we don't live in community and there's a million reasons why, but I learned that about her. I learned that she was intentional with her words. She was very kind. She spoke words of kindness. She was extremely uplifting, encouraging of others. She was other, others focused. One and so we wanted to kind of bottle up her essence because if you met Kara, you thought, oh, this is my new best friend. She loves me. Oh. You know, she made everybody feel that way. It's, it, even though it's a movie about suffering, um, there's so many other lessons that we learned and that Kara, even though she, she died and one of her goals was to die well, but she taught mm -hmm. us how to live well. Mm -hmm. So not Absolutely. only did she live in community and kindness, but she lived in love. One of the things she said that touched me was allow Jesus to love you so much that that love spills onto others, whether it's your neighbor, uh, your child's teacher, your coworker. And I thought, what does the word allow mean? Like, of course I would allow you know, God to love me. But really, when you think about it, God's love doesn't change. It's how much we receive. She said, allow God to love you so much that love over, overflows and spills onto another. Jay and Sophia Lyons here on The Intersection. Learn more at Kara, K-A-R-A, Tippets, T-I-P-P-E-T-T-S, documentary, karatippetsdocumentary.com. Well, we are about to end this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more through the programming section at faithradio.org or go to meetinghouseonline.info. You'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests on the Intersection Podcast. Content from The Meeting House can also be found in the Faith Radio app as well as a number of other apps. Plus, you can find the Intersection Podcast in the Media Center at faithradio.org. It's also available through iTunes. Plus, when you go to the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there is a link to video content, including newly added content from the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.